0: Pop Talk and Aliens, the William Clear podcast.
1: I would like to thank our wonderful friend for introducing me, telling nothing but the truth. I am William Clear. This is Pop Talk and Aliens. It is a podcast. And I have a very, very special guest on this episode, Dave Rita. Dave has made, uh, I think he has acted in 13 films, directed nine of them, written six of them. Dave, Welcome to Pop Talk and Aliens, my friend. What's up, my man?
0: Long time no talk.
1: Dave and I go way back to the '80s. To the '80s, we used to do a community theater, and then Dave took it to the next level. Went to LA, started making his own movies, and uh, just to tell you right away, Dave's uh, next movie, As Good as Dead, premieres at the what do they call it now? The TLC,
0: T-C-L. the TCL.
1: Chinese theater, okay, well, ladies and gentlemen who listen, you know it as Man's Chinese Theater, formerly Groman's Chinese Theater, it is the Chinese theater. It's not some half-assed Chinese theater down the street, it's the Chinese theater where Star Wars, where R2-D2 put his feet in How does that feel, Dave? I have to start just right off with that, that you're going Um, to be showing a movie at that fucking movie theater.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's so much history in that theater. I mean, like right out front, uh, there's the concrete uh, things where the, the old stars would put their hands, and I think Marilyn Monroe put her boobs in, you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yes. <clears throat> and um, that's like right out front. So, I mean, there's, and then inside, there's all these pictures of uh, just, just old, so many awesome old movies. I mean, there's so much history in that theater itself. Getting to show a movie, uh, one of my movies, in that theater, its as a filmmaker, uh, I feel like every theater I've ever shown a movie in, I have a little bit of ownership of that theater because it just becomes mine because, you know, an audience enjoyed one of my movies there. So making the Chinese theater one of my theaters, it's like, that's like bucket list stuff. You know what I mean? It's it's crazy. A big time.
1: Big time.
0: Big time bucket list stuff. And that um,
1: is so it's it's a short film. So it's part of a festival. What is the actual, what's the festival called?
0: Um, it's the dances with films festival, um, which I feel is they are one of the, one of the biggest and best in LA. Um, they are pretty amazing. The, I mean, this is like their 25th, sixth year. It's fourth. It's, I don't know. It's, it's crazy. Like they've been doing it quite a while.
1: And uh, I also should mention, speaking of the dances with films festival that, uh, Dave is an award-winning filmmaker, and you have already won uh, an audience award for Dances with Films in 2010, I'm looking at it, for Horror
0: of Our Love. Yeah, um, that one was crazy. Yeah, in 2010, I was touring through uh, with, with Horror of Our Love, and it was a, uh, that one was a little uh, a, a short film slash music video uh, about a slasher who was in love uh, with his final girl and uh he's trying to show her that he loves her but of course it's coming out all wrong and uh the music we have for that was done by the band ludo and they're amazing i mean they had the song first and i heard the song and the whole short like played out in front of my head it's never that easy when you're making a movie so when it is you jump on it and i jumped on it and uh now we have Horror of our love yeah it was pretty amazing um, and it was cool because Dances with Films was the first festival we took the film to, kind of like this year with this film. So I, at that time, I had no idea what it was going to do in front of an audience. And so watching the audience, just I mean, and it, it was such. And in twenty ten, there was nothing like a horror of our love. There was nothing like uh, basically a Jason S character being horribly sweet. There was just nothing like it. So I didn't know if the audience would even get it, you know what I mean? I was really worried going in, like, are they just gonna think I'm insane? You know, are are they gonna get this? But they totally did. And it was, and then that started the run where Horror of Our Love just started winning everywhere. And it was just amazing, but it all started at dances. And uh, this year with As Good As Dead, again, I feel like, um, I really honestly feel like this movie is sort of the, I mean, of, of all the movies I've done, this one is sort of like they were all like they were all leading toward this movie cuz this one has a little bit of all everything I've done it has a little bit of it in there and um and this is also the first time that I've fully directed a movie and not been in front of the camera on it so I had full reign to make every shot the way that I wanted it to be and I saw it in my head and uh yeah I'm very excited about it as good as dead
1: what is um What's the, what's the basic story? Because I know it's really short. So how do you come oh, up wow. with a story for something like that and then execute it in a short amount of time? Well, yeah. Because and also, I know during- that you do have humor. So I, I'm sorry. just I can't shut up all of a sudden. Because um, I know that, no, you're, I'm the one that can't you have shut humor. Up. You have, like, there's a lot of, it, you know, you're not just making a guy ch- I mean, like you just said, it's a sweet, like a slasher who's incredibly sweet. So you're not making movies where people are just running around and, and they kill each other and then the end. Um, so like, how, how does, what's the, what's the idea of this movie and, and how do you put it into, compact it into like, almost like a music, like an extended music video time frame?
0: Um Yeah, well, it's funny that you put it that way um, because this one, um, I really can't say, this one's so weird that I really can't say too much about it. What I can say is uh, that there there are zombies in it, there's 80s music in it, and there's a musical element to it. Um, We basically, I mean, I I can't help but hide all my influences, everything that inspired me to get to where I am today, it all bleeds out, and I love that I use the term bleeds. Um, It all bleeds in, it all bleeds into everything I'm doing um, all the time. And uh, that's why I say this movie is such a culmination of so many things I've been doing. And um, I don't know. It's crazy because I feel like you, I mean, in horror of our love is six minutes. This one's five. And I feel like I can do so much in that five minutes. Um, I can tell whole stories and weave whole kinds of things. And you don't realize how long five minutes really is. But the thing is, is I'm using every second. Um, right. I feel I feel like uh, if you're in a short film, or, I mean, if you're watching a short film at a festival or whatever, and you have time to look at your watch and back at the screen, then that's too long of a film. Wow, that's, um, wow. that's why. Yeah, about. I, I want my movies to be whether they be feature or short. I want them to completely be roller coasters. You're in the whole time. You're either clicking up, you know going up the hill getting some story or you're in the mix getting some scares or laughs or whatever or back up and getting getting some more story getting some more scares all the way crazy to the end and hopefully when you get off you're not throwing up (laughs) right
1: and uh so uh what was the long what's the longest one you've done
0: um my full feature would be bit parts uh we put that one out in 2007 and uh, that one is about a plastic surgeon in LA that gets into a car accident, and he wrecks his daughter's face. So he decides to pose as a casting director, looking for the perfect eyes, nose, lips to replace her mangled features. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's such a great concept. That uh, it was did really well, right? It. Um, yeah, it, it actually was. It did. It was the uh, you know best micro-budget movie, a horror movie of 2007, um, which was a while ago. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, it, it, I mean, the critics loved it and it was, I mean, we shot it all on film, uh, in a time when, uh, uh HD and all that was, didn't exist yet. So my choice was mini DV or, or film. And I was like, okay, I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to make a feature and have it come out looking like a school project. So fuck it. Let's make film.
1: That's and, so odd.
0: Yeah, when I went to Kodak to get my, my film, they freaked out. They were just like, you actually want real film? And I went, yeah. And they were so excited, they gave me half my film for free. Wow. Because film mm-hmm. is
1: fucking expensive. It, Movie well, film? That's the,
0: that's the thing. is, You know, with digital... Uh, I'm, I'm, I just keep cutting you off, but but no, it's no. true. I mean, with digital format today, you can shoot, you know, whatever, whatever you want. That, you know, like shoot, 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 shoot. And then when you run out of room, you grab another card, throw it in, shoot again. Uh, when, we, when we were making that movie, yeah, I knew every time I said action, it was costing me a lot of money. Because it's not just the film cost, then it's the cost of developing as well.
1: And lighting so, has got to be way more expensive when you're doing film. Because the cameras aren't going to, aren't going to like compensate the way they do when you're, you know, especially with the shit they have now with red cameras and stuff. Like, you know, you can be a shitty at lighting and still it'll come out okay. Um, Well,
0: no, that's not true either. Um, Well, not uh, shitty, but like you still, but I mean, with film lighting. With less light. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, uh, yeah. But the thing that film allowed me to do that I couldn't do. Um, I mean, I, I guess I can do it now with filters, but it just doesn't feel the same, um, is with film, um, like for bit parts, uh, there's two sides of the movie. There's the doctor's side where he's doing all his experiments and all that on his daughter and all that, you know, and, and all the, the girls he's captured and all that. Then there's the other side of the film, which is one of the the main hero uh, is chasing, looking looking for her sister, trying to get to where the doctor is, Right. And uh, for that side of the film, I wanted it to be like the pretty side of L.A. She's going through the pretty side of L.A. trying to find the the dark and gritty. So I would use a much less grainier stock of film on that side. Whenever we were inside the doctor's house, that's when I'd use the more grainier film stock to give it a dirtier, grainy feel. So, I mean, just even through the film, I'm creating two different vibes for you while you're watching, you know, the audience, most audience won't notice that it's just something you feel when you're watching it, you know? And I mean, yeah, you can do that digitally completely, but it's not, but when you're making it, when you know you're doing that, I don't know, it just kind of, it adds to it, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. When it's, when it's natural, Um, that's like, uh, it's almost like listening to Quentin Tarantino talk when you were saying that stuff, you know? It's that, <laughs> like, there's certain directors that are just like, it doesn't make a difference, man. And he's like, no, it does. Um, it does. What did you shoot uh, As Good As Dead on?
0: Um, as Good As Dead it was all, uh, you know, uh, super HD. I mean, it's like, uh, I don't even know the name of the camera. We got it from Burns and Sawyer and they were so amazing uh, to, to give me one of the top of the line cameras and, uh, and crew um my crew came from them too and they i mean they were amazing on this film it was like uh my director of photography and i he looked so much like one of my friends actually one of my cast members that i had in my sketch comedy show in the early 2000s that i was doing um this my my director of photography walked in the room and i thought it was my friend and i just looked had to look twice and just because he looked like that guy i don't know if that was it or we just bonded immediately and everything I wanted to do, uh, Brandon, Brandon Epperson, that's his name. Uh, Brandon would just, I mean, we just were able to work together so easily and so fast to create the vibe of uh, As Good as Dead. And uh, it's, it's quite amazing how, uh, how it looks because everything in, su- in the super HD, it's just, ugh. you can see everything. And it's just ugh, so clean and ugh, you got to love it.
1: It, 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 I saw the trailer, and I, that's what made me wonder what you shot it on because it looks like a movie. It doesn't look yeah, like it's,
0: it's 4K a school project. Oh yeah, no, it's full on 4K. So I mean, it's uh, I mean we could have gone higher, but at that point, editing is just incredibly insanity. But uh, and I feel like 4K, that's what it needs to be right now. I mean, the best things out there are only 4K. So, I mean, we could go 8K or higher. But, I mean, wh- what's the point at that point, you know? Yeah, yeah.
1: Especially if you're not, you know, y- y- if you don't have millions of dollars to just,
0: <laughs> right. you know,
1: to throw something on 8K just because you can. Yeah. Nobody, like- nobody has an 8K TV yet. I mean, I mean- some... Of- some super rich people have them. I mean, they're, they're around, but they're fucking expensive. Right, yeah.
0: No, I mean, that's, that's my point. I mean, like, I feel like it. it you just got to, when you're, especially in independent film, you've got to balance cost versus, uh, you know, quality and, and find the happy medium. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, because, you know, I mean, to me, sacrificing quality will always hurt me. And it always guarantees, you know, that's what people expect from independent film. So if you can keep the quality high and uh, somehow keep that budget down, that's that's the magic.
1: How does the makeup work? Because you're doing it. Everything's uh, in camera, right? All of your all of the zombies and everything in this movie. They're all it's, they're all done with makeup,
0: right? Um. Yep. I had the most I was Um. I mean, Corona time was going on. So it was kind of an interesting shoot because, I mean, luckily, every point we made it, everyone was safe. No one got sick. We we did it totally healthy, wise style. But my zombies had to be, uh, they were in full prosthetic face makeup, full faces. Um, We were so blessed to work with uh, Larry Bones and the uh, FX Boneyard. uh, Boneyard FX, I should should say it the right way. Um, And... um, I mean, they did stuff for a Hollywood Horror Nights here, The Walking Dead stuff. And uh, they were just, because Corona time, they weren't doing anything. They were bored. They were like, wow. you know, I, w- I would love to make a movie right now. So because of that, I got their, I mean, I got the owner of the company, Larry, out there. I got the, their best team came out and did my stuff. So um, that's what kind of made it awesome. We were kind of like, because... Corona was definitely you know making things really hard for us, but at the same time, it made the weirdest things easier, like that, because I know Larry would, would have normally, he would have been way too busy to be out there on my set doing this stuff for me. And um, be- because of this timing, he was totally able to be there and just kick ass for me. And that's why I think I have the coolest right? I, think I, I have the coolest looking zombies that I, I've ever used ever and i'm i oh every
1: time i see them i'm so excited about them yeah dude it looks it looks great i watched the trailer like 3 times today it's, it looks awesome Thanks, so exciting man. when how will how will we be able to see it like if, when it's or, well actually let me to ask you that in two part question dave uh, okay a uh, how like how are you are you touring this around to other festivals and b how will eventually uh, the likes of us be able to see it if we don't live in L.A.? And if you do, uh, check out the why wouldn't you go to a horror film festival? Come on.
0: I know. Especially at midnight. At the, at, at the Chinese theater at midnight. Come on. Right. Yeah, I know. That's what's awesome. I love playing at midnight. I mean, do a horror movie at midnight just feels right. Seems right. Um, but Yeah. Um, uh, well, well, what I do is I plan on touring it across the country for the next year. So, um, I mean, uh, then that's usually what I do is I'll put a film through as many festivals as I possibly can all over the country, sometimes world, uh, depending if they want it. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I'll do that for a year. And then after a year, then I usually do one of two things. I'll either put it on YouTube for free on our, uh, Elf Twin Films YouTube page, or, um, uh, I will, uh, put it through a distributor and then it will get on a compilation dvd like our last film rotting love um it just um it just came out last week um on a compilation dvd available on amazon so um yeah so i mean it depends on on what happens at the end of the run here
1: elf twin films is the name of the company i should mention for for those of you listening and uh so i know that you have directed Nine movies, right? Oh, really? Wow. That's
0: what IMDb says. It says directed wow. nine and written. I mean, yeah. Says, it's just, it's funny to look back. I'm like, really? Holy shit. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I've been doing that a lot this year. Like, just going that many times. All right. Like, yeah, starting to realize what I, yeah. know, yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't need to interrupt you. Go on. No, you didn't.
1: You are, you're not. Uh, it just, not I'm like, all. wow. I'm, I'm When, when did you get to LA and when, like when you got there, because like I said, like, you know, you and I, Dave and I did shows in the late eighties and then, you know, you went off to, to do this. Like, what's it like when you first get there as I've known a few, you know, quote unquote, starving actors in LA over over the years, people that did theater and then they go do that and what what's the like what's the feel like when you get there and you're like now now I'm in l a now I'm in you know the mix where where dreams are broken or made up yep. like what's <laughs> that
0: like um yeah, it was really an interesting time for me that was really scary because I was just a kid and I was just like um it was but I knew I just knew that uh, in, in the, in 1997, when I did it, um, wow, totally aging myself here. But anyway, in 97, when I did it, um, or 98, actually, when I did it, I, um, uh, I knew that I just, if I really, really, really wanted this thing, cause I'd been saying I wanted to be an actor and I wanted to do this. That's all I had been saying my entire life. But then it got to that point where I realized that I was either going to be that guy that was at home going, yeah, someday I'm going to do this stuff or be the guy that did it because that someday needed to be then. Right. So that was that coming to that realization was crazy and realizing I had to leave all my friends and family and everything and just chase a dream and cross my fingers and hope I survived. That was really weird Um, coming down here and then knowing no, uh, really nobody down here. And um, just finding my way, it it was uh, exciting and fun um, because there was so much to do. I mean, uh, so many productions were happening at that time. And uh, I got on so many cool movies uh, as, as an extra. I was able to do a lot of extra work back then. And so I got on a lot of sets, met a lot of fellow actors, a lot of people but also uh, back then when I was an extra on set, I was the kind of extra there that uh, there were a lot of extras that would just eat food and play with their phones or, or just sit there and do nothing, read, and just not pay attention. I was the kind of extra that just wanted to know how everything worked and how everything was. So even when I wasn't on, se- uh, uh, on set, I would still be on set, hanging out with the crew, uh, watching them do stuff, watching how the camera films stuff, watching um, other actors and how they would do stuff, and, and thinking, that, watching the director, and think, just thinking about how I would do stuff. But back then, I had no designs on being a director at all. When I first first got to town, I remember somebody asked me, uh, "Do you want to direct someday?" And I looked at them, laughed, and said, "No, directing's hard. I just want to act. I just want to come in, play my part." Leave, let the director worry about editing that shit. You know, I don't want to do that. And it's so funny because I was right. It is hard.
1: <laughs> I've I've dabbled in trying to direct a couple of little movies and I, I, I can't fucking do it, man. Um, but I I did notice one thing looking at your IMDb, IMDb page, which I thought was hilarious, is that so when, we both come from the Bay Area and when you were still here, you were an extra in So I Married an Axe Murderer and uh there's another Angels in the Outfield, in the Outfield which yeah. I have yeah. buddies who were extras in those movies. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And then I did I, I was an extra in a couple of other of the like that same time period movies. Um I was in Getting Even with Dad. The I was fan. in that too. You were in that one too?
0: Getting in with Dad, yep, with Macaulay, yeah, that's yeah. why I met. I met. I met Ted Danson. He was so cool.
1: Yeah, I. I. I didn't actually like speak to him, but I, I saw him hanging around, and he was. He was so
0: fucking cool to everyone. Um, I yeah, kept, my, I kept being lucky my... back then. They would like, like, in *I Married an Axe Murder*, they sat me directly across from uh, Mike Myers, and we just started talking. Same thing happened in in in, in uh, *As Good as Dead*. There was a diner scene. And uh, the girl, you know, the girl lead in that movie. um, I forget her name. Um, She had a weird name. Remember, she talks like this. Uh, That girl. I don't know if you remember the 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 girl lead in that movie, but she was just
1: kind of she wouldn't really. Whenever they in
0: your movie now or in which movie? No, as good. I'm not as good as I mean in getting even with dad.
1: Yes, I forget her name, but yeah, she does. She played the wife or the girlfriend or whatever. Glenn Headley. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Good. good Yes.
0: Wow. Um, Yeah. But uh, so she was just kind of cold. She wouldn't really talk to anybody. And uh, Macaulay was soon as they'd say cut, he would run off and hang out with the handler. So it would just leave Ted Danson was just a really social guy. So he would, as soon as he, I, I was sitting in the booth directly behind him. I mean, in front of him, but he was okay in front of him. So when Macaulay would leave, it would be just, he'd be looking at me. And so when he just he just started talking to me, and uh, he was just the nicest dude. He was so cool even back then. And I, I what scene just, like, he, were like, you in in that movie? Um, the diner scene uh, where they're in the diner and they uh, they make a deal um, about what they're going to do with the money. Or like he's like he Macaulay tells them that that's when Macaulay tells them that he's uh, uh, it's right after they play basketball. And uh, Macaulay talks the girl uh, that, remember the girl that she's, uh, I think she's a cop, but she's pretending to be a reporter or something, or I don't know what she is. Uh, but uh, he talks her into going out to the diner with them. And then I'm in that, that diner seat.
1: Um, I, I, I've only seen the movie once, which is more than probably most people have seen right? it. Right, right. So, so um, but I, I so I, I was in a shot with uh, some buddies of mine, uh the fr- our friend Charlie Crabtree, who was on on the show all the time, was was. I remember was, was Charlie standing Crap, next to me. So you you know Charlie? I remember that name. No, so he at the time, so we were we were in a scene where it was supposed to be Fourth of July, and we were at the uh observatory, I think, in San Francisco. But, but it was like January; and it was freezing, and <laughs> so we were in this, and and we were. In a group that we were gonna follow Macaulay Culkin as he ran across the screen with these sparklers and then ran up to Ted Danson and Glenn Headley, who were like off but center, you know, center shot, right? But so we were in the background mm-hmm. and we were just supposed to walk by our sparklers. And it turns out that we weren't actually positioned to be in the shot. Like we we're it was gonna be off, like we we're gonna just kind of like you know blurred lights. Mm-hmm. And we're standing there, and Macaulay Culkin is right in front of us because he's going first. And he had like longer hair in that movie. Yep. And you I remember it. uh Charlie had long, like kind of hippie hair back in those days, because this is like you know, Nirvana days and stuff. Right. And Maca- Macaulay Culkin said something about having long hair and how he didn't like it or something. And one of us, it might have been me or some one of our friends said you know if you keep growing it you'll end up looking at looking like this guy and we pointed to charlie and his long hair and macaulay culkin did dead on the fucking razor uh aftershave scream from home alone really like like just pulled it out like it would like it was hilarious like that that thing he does in the mirror
0: yeah Um, he had that in the bag
1: that was that was fantastic but uh yeah, I, we were the, the same way. I never, we actually talked to the director of this movie called Murder in the First. And uh, it was about Alcatraz. We got to film on Alcatraz and we we talked to the director who, Mark Rocco, son of the great actor, Alex Rocco from The Godfather. But Mark Rocco never did anything after Murder in the First because it it, it tanked. But uh, we, our friend, Nate Ford, who also lives in Beverly Hills, by the way, um, he went up to Kevin Bacon and Kevin Bacon, I think in the scene, I think we were in the actual murder scene, you know, we are like the extras in the murder scene. We're all wearing prison outfits. And our friend, Nate Ford goes up to Kevin Bacon as he's sitting there being made up with like a stab wound or something like that, or some kind of fucked up prosthetic that he had on his face. And our friend, Nate, Ford goes <laughs> up. Kevin Bacon's serious doing a murder scene. You know, he's prepping goes up to him he just keeps looking at his face and he goes there's a lot of poking and prodding that goes into being an actor and uh you know to kevin bacon's credit uh, he just nodded and, and kind of chuckled or something instead of saying <laughs> somebody get this fucking right? extra away get from this me dude but i'm away trying to from do this now this is the fucking key scene in the movie this is the murder that is mentioned in the title and there's this <laughs> extra dude just fucking staring at me so those are you know, those, yeah, those are great experiences, but i'm it's great that you took advantage of them to to learn, whereas we just like ran around Alcatraz during lunch and and went to places that you're not
0: supposed to go <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I just uh it depended on what set I was on i had I mean, I'm not gonna say I was totally always, you know, I had fun too and and I uh um definitely. I was a I was a kid. So I just kind of could do anything back then, you know what I mean. And being getting to be on those kind of sets, I, every time I was on one, I just felt so lucky to be there. Um, that I just I just I just wanted to squeeze every moment I could out of it and feel like uh, that I was chasing my dream, that I was doing the right thing, that I justifying why I got here or why just the, the whole decision of coming here. And and has it always been horror? Because I remember
1: when when we knew each other as as teenagers that the first horror movies I ever watched were at your house because you were always <laughs> having people over to watch The Shining, Phantasm. Right. I remember. Oh uh, so yeah,
0: Phantasm.
1: It, just a classic. So was it always that when you went there? Was it I'm gonna make horror movies that are that are funny
0: and you no. uh, that's was what's so movie? weird uh, my pl- original plan out here was to come out to LA um, do what I could to make money and get the audition to be on Saturday Night Live that was wow. my plan I wanted to be on Saturday Night Live I wanted to be a sketch comedy actor especially for Saturday Night Live I mean I still to this day will watch every episode I will punish myself and watch every episode to the end Um, Now for different reasons than before, but, um, but yeah, um, I mean, I just, I loved it so much. And then I was out here and then I just realized that I wasn't getting the audition and I wasn't getting the recognition uh, that I knew I should get. And I also had a bunch of fellow actors that were awesome that were also not getting that kind of recognition. So uh, luckily a friend of mine uh, owned a Pasadena uh, old town costume company, Peter Redman. He owned Old Town Costume Company, and that gave us 15,000 costumes and blood, latex, everything we would ever need to do a show. So I created my own little sketch comedy show in 2000 and, and got all my friends in there. No, And I was just an actor. I knew nothing about directing or anything. And um, that's the thing is I got them all together. and I said, all right, let's make this show basically to make our own Saturday Night Live, but a different like we were, we were in charge of your TV for half an hour and we'd flip channels for you. And so you could get a second of something, you could get two minutes of something, but we were just flip, 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 always being really weird. That was the show. Um, through the show, I realized that one of us had to direct and I was the leader of the group. So it just kind of seemed natural that I would direct. Um, and uh, our because our show spoofed a lot of TV and movie, I basically had to learn the style of the movie, and then and then find the funny in it. Uh, right. So it was sort of a and the show lasted for three years. So it was like a weird uh, click. And the name of the show was Click This. Click This was like a weird three-year crash course in filmmaking: how to direct, how to do it. And then after three years, I did my first feature bit parts. So it's sort of like I feel like I. I I, I went to school, learned how to make movies for three years on Click. This then Bitparts would be my final, and I give myself a B plus. Nice,
1: nice, uh, nice way of looking at it. Nice, <laughs> orga- nice, organized, chronological sort of you know summary of uh, of every bullet point. That's the, that's that's very. it's that's the kind of thing I think. That someone like you has that contributes to your success because of the fact that you are, you, you know, you're you're looking at these things this way. It's not just all right. I got to do this. I got to direct. I uh, get in here. All right. Okay. I, I kind of know what I'm doing and just do it. Just do it. But that you're, you know, studying the genre of what you're going to parody. You're doing. You're doing the work. You're doing the research. You're doing it on both ends. You know, you're not just getting in there saying, hey, you know, I've been in a million things. I know what I'm doing. I know what's funny. I know how to act. I know how to play to the camera, play to the audience, whatever. But that you're taking it from a almost, I guess, a point of humility to know, to learn, to be aware of what you don't know in order to become a master of that.
0: Uh, uh, Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. Uh, Honestly, uh, the best lessons I learned were checking my ego. I mean, on my first feature, I was—we are so lucky, lucky to have uh, uh, my director of photography was Alice Brooks. On that, she's gone on to like she directed uh, or she uh, shot. I shouldn't direct. She she shot uh, like Gem and the Holograms. The movie didn't do well, but it looks beautiful, and she shot it. She's gone on to also win awards at Sundance and things like that. She's an amazing, amazing cinematographer. I did not know how to make movies properly. And one day, Alice just looked over at me and in front of my entire cast and crew, she was like, all right, you know what? This is not how you make movies, Dave. If we actually want to make movies, this is what we have to do. And this is the order we have to do them. And she broke it down for me so well that, you know what? I make movies that same way to this day. And that is why I don't have problems because Alice Brooks, I mean, but, but I could have easily gone, how dare you speak to me in front of my crew like that? That's it. You're fired. But it was at that time I knew, I mean, in it, I I will never forget how much it hurt because I had to sit down and just let her completely show me what I was doing wrong and the proper way to do it. And it was very humiliating in front of my whole cast and crew. But you know what, though, uh, from that day forward, we were freaking clockwork, and the movie got finished. And every movie I've done since has been clockwork because of that. So I thank her for that. It sucked, but I I deserved it and needed it.
1: And that's the th- that's the thing. I mean, to have to have a mentor like that even if they come out, even if they come at you in front of the, the cast and crew it's like <laughs> for you to, the lesson is worth that that pain it really um,
0: was yeah it really was I mean, and me being me it was really hard for me not I mean not to just blow up and be like you know what this is my production I can do it any way I want to do it and if I want to do it wrong I'm fully within my rights to do it wrong your job is to come in and shoot what I tell you to shoot. And I could have totally been like that. But so I don't know, something inside me was just like I just I knew she was right. And I and I just I wanted honestly I wanted to know the right way to do stuff so you know I could do things right. <laughs> so yeah I think I think the uh the want and the desire to make a good movie outweighed my ego, which is that that should say a lot right there <laughs> right yeah
1: because uh you know like you know we we worked together when we were young pups who had nothing but ego and we wouldn't have let anyone tell us anything oh hell no. and, no way. and as as someone who has struggled with my own ego over the years in in terms of performing whether it be music or or trying to make movies or or even you know to this podcast and stuff it is it is hard for someone who when you even going beyond just the the, the, the sort of the compartmentalized idea of an ego, but there's someone who wants to do well, who wants to come off as I know what I'm doing to to let yourself be torn down like that is so hard because the defensive shield comes up so quickly and you want to be able to say, no, no, no. I have all this experience. I've done all these things. I don't need you to tell me what to do, even though part of you is saying, but but, but also please tell me what to do, right? And, yeah, and and the fact that you just let that you let that shield just stay off—that I mean—that's awesome, and and it's clearly you know benefited. You I mean, greatly, well, that's, that's awesome.
0: A, that is a scary thing because I feel—I mean, every movie I've ever done, including my three years, uh, everything I've ever did with Click, this, everything I've ever done. I've equated it to, uh, I am going to be the pirate captain and you guys are my crew. And I'm either going to, I'm going to sail us to the promised land where all the treasure is. And it's your choice. If you want to be on the boat, otherwise jump off now. And that's kind of how I always do that. And when I, uh, I, I, the weirdest thing is going in front of the camera. Um, I realized that it like, just like a ship, the crew would freak out because they would see no one standing at the wheel. So I, I basically, from from in front of the camera, I have to show the crew that I'm reaching – I'm just on the other side of it. No, no, no. I still got my hand on the wheel. I'm just over here. And right. once I do that, they feel – everybody feel – as long as they, they see I'm still in control, even though I'm over here, everybody calms down a little bit. So when – you know, everybody, everybody losing faith in leadership on a set can be the death of a film. So, yeah, it was a very it's a very scary moment to to uh, to do that. But on the same token, I think the next day when everything was that perfect uh, and, I, and I and I ran the set the way I should have ran it and we were organized in terms of what we were going to shoot and everything and it, and everything started moving well. I think the respect I got back and got there was was worth way more than what I would have had had I told her to just I'm in charge blah, blah, blah you know and, uh, and the movie wouldn't have run well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the thing too is that, you know, you're making a movie with actors that you've hired, people that are going to be on the screen when this thing debuts at a festival or or you know, at a movie theater and like you know their their performance is to an extent their own but then there's also the aspect that is going to be controlled by you by editing by whatever mm-hmm. and so you know you're you're not only directing the movie the shots you're making sure everything's set up the lighting but you also have to make sure that you don't you know it let your actors look like shit mm-hmm. because it, you know what i mean like they're they're trusting you to yep. give the direction that is going to give them the performance that they're going to be able to be proud of, rather than just I just say what's in the script.
0: I wrote it; it's there. Come on, you know you know um, what you're doing. Action. It's true. I mean, I, but I've been very lucky uh, in my career of, as a filmmaker to be able to say that I've worked with some really awesome actors, and uh, like this one, as good as dead, um, I had Danny Shaka, Ashley Mary Nunez, and uh, Jeffrey Dammit. And the three of them, uh, they understood this idea so well. I mean, because it's a really weird and crazy idea. And how it all unfolds is just really weird. And so they had to really go with me on this journey. And they wholeheartedly did. And I am so proud of them because, I mean, I mean the things they got to do, I mean, this is not the normal, of things that they would normally have to do. They definitely had to step outside their comfort zones, every single one of them. Had to step outside uh in different situations outside their comfort zone for to perform different things and every one of them uh, in every situation they killed it uh we we rolled through that night uh and we had to because we were filming uh up in the santa clarita, clarita mountains where it was like 40 degrees we were freezing so we had to shoot 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 and get out of there
1: where did where did you shoot the the in the trailer during like some Creepy warehouse. Where was that?
0: Uh, it's a farm up near Santa Clarita um, in the mountains of Santa Clarita. Yeah, we were actually I mean, I wrote that's the weirdest thing is I wrote a farm. And then I went, uh, where am I going to find a farm in L.A.? And I put a post on Facebook that said, I need a farm. And within five minutes, one of my friends from San Jose, um, Joe Flynn, actually hooked me up and, and uh, got me to, to the location. And it was the perfect location, too. I mean, what I saw in my head when I wrote this, I even wrote a hay bale in the middle of the, of the set. When I got to the farm and I got to the barn, that hay bale was already there. Wow. It, I, was just, I was just like, uh, how did this happen? Um, it's really crazy. Uh, I feel we were very blessed on this movie because um, I actually dedicated this film to a friend of mine from San Jose, another filmmaker friend of mine from San Jose, Elizabeth Mitchell, she died of brain cancer last year. And uh, right before she died, she said, "I want to see another movie from you." And uh, mm. I, I said, "I got nothing in the pipe, Elizabeth, but uh, but if I do, I, I'll make it for you." And then just, a f- and then it was like the moment I decided to make this movie, uh, like every movie I've ever made has been incredibly hard to make. There's always been problems and things that stall it, stall it, stall it. This was the easiest during Corona during one of the hardest times to make movies. This was one of the easiest movies to make. And I know it's because Elizabeth, the angel was greasing the wheels nonstop.
1: That is so great. Wow. Wow. Um, all right so from that light note let me let me make it uh let let me take it (laughs) let me take it dark a little bit not really but um what so and that's so awesome that you were able to have that type of experience making this movie especially
0: like you said during
1: coronavirus and it's like you know there's a lot of things stacked up against you
0: it could have been so much worse true i mean yeah i mean i feel we were i mean we everybody was healthy um every you know uh we were safe and and we were we were protected um and there we we had there had to be an angel on my shoulder
1: so let's go from that since we're talking horror to the devil on your shoulder what was the worst like what if there has been a case when you were doing a film when it just shit fell apart and and you had to figure out how to put it back together
0: Oh. Oh Oh my God. That's so funny. I, uh, I normally, uh, I I've been very, very lucky with the sets I've been on and whatever, but there was one film that I didn't cast it. I was just completely brought in as just a director. And so I didn't cast it or write the idea for the thing. In fact, the thing I wrote um, they just completely scrapped it and then all of a sudden made me direct basically a, a music video on the fly for them. And um, it was a zombie music video. At one point, one of my zombie girls decides that uh, some other zombie girl was flirting with her boyfriend, so she went running back to extras holding to uh, basically, I to beat that girl up. So I went running, chasing her. She got in the elevator before me. So as my, and I get in the next elevator, as my elevator door opens, I see her go running into extras holding. So I go charging down the hall. By the time I get through the door, I see her. She's just on top of this girl pounding away. Boom, boom, boom. And both of them are in full zombie makeup. I was going to say,
1: are they both fucking dressed up as zombies during this?
0: Both of them full in full zombie makeup. I pull her off, and I realize that she wasn't even, and she realizes, she wasn't even hitting the right girl. She oh just my opened God. the door and hit the first girl she saw.
1: Right, <laughs> because was, they're all fucking zombies. How are you going to pick out which one was the one that you thought was flirting with your boyfriend or whatever?
0: It was the most insane thing. And that poor girl had just shown up. And they just put her in makeup. She had just walked out of makeup, walked into the main area, turned, the door opened, and she got punched in the face. (laughs) I felt so... I mean, I'm just like, what I have never... What set is this? Oh, my God. Like, yeah. That was... And somehow, somehow I made a music video out of that. Somehow.
1: So you got it, but you... So you got through it.
0: I. I was... I've never made a movie while I was editing it. I was crying while I was editing it going, there's, what am I supposed to do? There's nothing I can, I don't even, I don't, somehow that was pure luck uh, that I actually shot enough stuff to actually make. It's actually a cool little music video visually. The song, well, that's something else. But visually, people love it. What it looks like visually, they think it's really cool. And I'm still amazed to this day that people even like it.
1: That's incredible. God, that's a great story. Did she ever get to beat up the right girl or did she settle down after that?
0: Um, No, because that girl, that's kind of funny. No, because uh, I pulled, right after that, I pulled the right girl outside and then realized as I pulled her outside, she was supposed to be a teacher zombie. And so my makeup lady did a bunch of prosthetics on her forehead that looked like she had four pencils jammed into her forehead, right? <laughs> the problem is, is I'm looking at four pencils with with lead tips. She looked as she had a crown on. So I look at my makeup lady and I'm like, what are you trying to say? That they stabbed the pencil into her forehead eraser end first? And then I watched her eyes get really big, like oh, I should have gone the other way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? She went, like, I don't know what she was thinking. Like, she, you know, like, so she basically did this girl with something, they stabbed her, eraser her end first. So because of that, and because she was already causing a problem on set, I was just like, you know what, take pictures, but we don't need you for today. And I let her go. Yeah. Good. I had to, Yeah, I had to get rid of yeah. the problem. Because I mean, I, I would have, I, I mean, I would have got rid of both of them, but, uh, the other one was already on camera at one point. So I was like, oh, I'm stuck. I have to, to use her and her boyfriend. They were both on camera. So I had to keep both of them on set, but I could at least, that was the only way I could at least remove a problem. You know what I mean? It wasn't right. the best decision, but it was the, 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 best the, the best decision I could make at that time. Right. We were also filming at the Cecil Hotel for that video. And uh, and that video, the Cecil Hotel, I don't know if you know, but that's like supposedly one of the most haunted hotels in Hollywood. That's the hotel that Alyssa Lamb, that girl that went in the elevator, and then they found her in the water tank a week later. That had happened literally like six months previous. Wow. So So, of course, my actors were all freaking out. Um, and like, I come in extras holding at one point and they're all, all of them are huddled around one phone. And I know I didn't tell them purposely cause I didn't want them to freak out. As soon as I walked in and saw them all around, all around one phone, I knew exactly what video they were watching. And I just went, oh no. And one of them looks at me and goes, Dave, do you know that, um, the black Dahlia killer stayed here? And I went, yeah. And then they went, do you know that the Night Stalker killer also stayed here? And I go, yeah. And they go, Do you know that they both stayed in the same room that's directly above us? The room that's directly above us right now is the room that they were staying in. And I looked at them and said, Yeah, they walked on the sidewalk for out front, too. Should we be scared of that, too? <laughs> yeah. That's fucking great. It was wow. the weirdest, craziest set I'd ever been on. I had a professional wrestler out there, and at one point at three in the morning, he like, started getting crazy on me because he just got lazy and tired and didn't want to do stuff anymore but um, (laughs) that's that's filmmaking sometimes we gotta go and so he was trying to get crazy on me and i was just laughing like this is just the weirdest set i've ever been on
1: that's hilarious it it, it also sounds in retrospect incredibly fun um no it it wasn't at all to me that's but I, I mean, I didn't have to go through it. So to me, what it's fun.
0: No, what was fun was on that set too, all my zombies, uh, I had to do a shot uh, where I was doing this sort of mock of uh, thriller where I needed the zombies to, to hit their head on their left shoulder, their right shoulder, and the right shoulder and left shoulder. Do that little move. And so I just call out left shoulder, right shoulder, right shoulder, right shoulder, left shoulder. The, my zombies could not, these guys, they could no matter what I did or they did, they could not tell the difference between their left and their right. (laughs) So I basically stopped the production and had to teach them which was their left hand, which was their right hand. And then I had to perform it standing. I had to stand behind the camera, but in front of them, and I had to do it backwards because I was facing them. So, and because I was doing it backwards, some of them would still try to do it the way that I was doing it backwards. It was the most insane. So that's what was so great about As Good As Dead. All my all my zombies were so great and it's so funny at one point I I could see that everything I asked them to do they were doing it. So I just stopped the production, looked at them and said, "Everybody put your head on your left shoulder." Boom, all their heads went on their left shoulder. I start flipping out and I'm so excited. They're looking at me like what is wrong with you you told us to put our head on our left shoulder and we did what and i'm like it's so great look at them look at them they all know what their left is like (laughs) i was so blessed on this set i mean that's what i mean i had the best zombies the best makeup everybody was just excited to be there everybody had such a great attitude on set this this movie was uh like like uh, on our side, to make it, it, even though Corona was going on and we were freezing to death up there, it was still a joy to make, and I feel like that comes across when you watch it. I I cannot wait to see it. I wish oh, I was so. in L.A. to see it Friday, especially uh-uh. I've never been in that theater. Well, I've mean,
1: been by it a million times.
0: I actually do have something to tell you. Um, I cannot make an official announcement of what exactly it is, but what I can say is that very, very soon we will be playing a festival in Northern California. All right. All I can't right. say which one. Unfortunately, I, I'm not. They, I have, I'm have. i still under. I, they haven't made their official announcement yet. So I cannot officially announce which festival it is. Let's just say there will be a festival in Northern California very, very soon that will play as good as Dead. So you will get your opportunity. Let me know. And I, I will be there.
1: I won't. Well, you know me.
0: I let everybody know uh, I pr- that's one thing. I promote my screenings.
1: Yes, as well you should. Uh-huh. Yeah, you, that's another thing is you're, you're good at this to the point where I just caught that this was you know this was going on. I was like, dude, I'm on the show. We haven't talked in 30 years, and let's talk about this fucking movie. <laughs> um, uh, we haven't talked I, in 30 years. That seems like a good excuse. <laughs> right? Well, it's, again, like I, I told you this before <laughs> we started the show is that we... You know, we're on social media, all that stuff. Hey, buddy, happy birthday! Hey, uh, your kid looks great. You know, hey, congratulations on this. Um, you know, but I've never been able to have a chance to talk to you about, make you know what you've done, coming out here, making all these movies, winning fucking awards and stuff, having a movie play at the Chinese theater. So it's it's just it's awesome. I I, I love seeing people become successful, especially when. You know thirty years ago we're we're walking around on a on a stage. I'm dressed as Superman. You're wearing a fucking white Don Johnson jacket with a turtleneck on, and we're just fucking around
0: really and then uh, you know what's so sad is everything you're saying right now is true <laughs> <laughs> it's it's
1: absolutely true oh, I, I gotta man. I gotta ask you a couple things before we go about horror in general, sure, since you are in the you know in the biz uh first of all have you run across any like you know quote unquote famous uh you know horror people or movie people or anything while you're running around in la plenty um that's i mean i weird- have to imagine right they gotta imagine that they're popping up all the time especially when you're in there making movies and stuff
0: um yeah that's the weirdest thing is once i started making features and i started going to conventions and they started having me sign and then I'm signing I'm signing autographs ne- right next to people I love. Like, it's so funny. Like, even when you said Phantasm, one of the first conventions I did, um, I was signing next to Reggie Bannister, who's Reggie, in um, Phantasm. And Reggie and his wife, Gigi, we are so close to this day because of that day. Because that first day, I was flipping out so – I mean, I'm a little – you know, just a little kid, filmmaker, first feature – And they're like basically right next to me. Anytime anybody came up to, for me to sign something, I would just look at them and go, why do you want me to sign stuff? Do you realize who's next to me? That's Reggie right there. So I just kept sending everybody (laughs) to Reggie. And the whole day I was just sitting and talking to him and uh, just, just so amazed that I was even there uh, talking to him. And um he's just laughing at me because like dude they, they they came here to see you. And I'm like, well, fuck me, you're here. Why would they care about <laughs> yeah. me? You know? It was just so funny. like and he like he's just that's the thing is they say don't meet your heroes. Um, I have so many stories about different heroes I've had that did that were awesome. I I learned how to handle an audience uh, from Bruce Campbell. <clears throat> really? Um, I did a Q&A and a uh, and I, I actually opened up 15, I, there was a, a creation Weekend of Horrors here we did in Burbank. And I did 15 minutes in front of Bruce Campbell. And then we went and we were signing in the back. And I watched him, it was the most amazing thing to watch. Uh, every time an audience member came forward, uh, I an mean, audience member, every time a fan came forward to get him to sign something, they asked him a question. And Bruce had one of two answers for them. It was either something totally insane, funny, crazy, weird answer, or it was something like a life-changing, deep, deep, really honest thing, like words to live by shit. Some of them I wrote down. I mean, it was amazing. But what was amazing was watching him, the moment that person came up, and by the time they asked him the question, he knew which answer they wanted. From him wow. do You know what I mean? Yeah. He knew if they wanted him to just be silly, or if he, he knew if they were actually wanted to, to make a connection and, and say something deeper, uh, he knew it and just gave them and just could do it in, a, in just a snap of a finger instantly. And he was right every time and watching him be able to do that, that it was amazing. You know, the expertise and, and I just, I've always tried to be that way. Uh, myself and watching that and just so many i mean like west craven was great i mean so many people i've met uh in the in this industry they they did not let me down they were every bit as cool as i wanted them to be and, and and it's just the weirdest thing like you're talking about like when we were little kids right i was watching all these horror movies and then now i'm walking amongst them that it does get surreal sometimes when i look around and you know i got the guy who wrote puppet master to my left and the guy that wrote Brain Dead to my right, and they're all just talking about, you know, laughing and oh, look at little Dave in his new film, ah, you know, it's like, you know, it's crazy to think that whoa, you know, these, I I used to be at home watching these guys on the what they did on the TV, and now I'm right here next to them. It's it's surreal. It really
1: is. It's fucking fantastic, man. It makes me so happy to hear that. I love that, <laughs> and I also Bruce Campbell is one of my Favorite favorites. So I'm. I. He's the kind right? of guy I've always kind of imagined that he could be a fucking prick. Right? So I'm really glad to hear that story because it's like I always yeah. look at him and feel like that guy could be one of two ways. He could be yep. the way you describe him, or he could just be a fucking asshole.
0: That's so he totally could, and he could get. He could be, and he would get away with it because he's so damn charming. That's exactly. The thing. And uh, exactly. But no, he he was so nice and just respectful to his fans. He even stayed late that day. So uh because they ran over and there were so many people, he stayed late, made sure everybody got an autograph. Um, nice, badass. Badass dude. And I'm telling you, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I I I want him to be cool so bad and was just I would have been so let down inside if he wasn't. Uh, and instead, not only was I pleasantly surprised, but I got a big if if I chose to pay attention, I got a big lesson on how to deal with it, how to treat your audience,
1: and it seems like you're you're always paying attention to that stuff, and that, and that's you know obviously a, a huge reason why you've had the success, and it's it, it's great. So you're sponge, uh, Dave. You're uh, fucking sponge for this stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, ever since I was a little kid, that's how I've always been with film because I, I love it so much. I love I love the I love making movies. All of it. I love being in them. I love making them. I mean, I just, I love the whole process of it all so much that uh, whenever anybody would talk about it or, or would do it, I just, I wanted, I wanted it, you know, and I wanted to, to squeeze every moment I could, every lesson I could. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> no, it's not,
1: it's not weird. It's awesome. Um, all right. So Dave, I always do a Halloween show. Uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do one this year also of course because I it's my favorite holiday by far. Um, yeah. Every year in Halloween, I watch pretty much if I if if at all possible, a horror movie a night every for all of October.
0: So Ooh, thirty-one horror movies.
1: Yeah. If I can, sometimes I'll watch two just in case there's a night that I can't get one in. Nice. Um, so, what? Give me a couple of your favorites or your most influential or anything that, uh, you know, you introduced me to Phantasm. You gave me The Shining. A couple more uh, for, for me and the audience that we should uh, keep our eye on that have inspired uh, you or that you just love.
0: Uh, okay. Um, well, most recently, uh, there's this movie that came out uh, last year during Corona, actually. Um, and I love it. I think it's so much fun. It's so silly. I mean, yeah, if you watch it, you you can pick it apart easily. But uh, but if you actually watch it and take the roller coaster ride of it, it's actually really, really fun. And it's called Willy's Wonderland. Have you seen it? No. It's, it's, it stars Nicolas Cage.
1: Oh, and, God. Uh, oh,
0: fuck, it's already it, good. Nicolas Cage, you fully get the Nicolas Cage performance that you want in this movie. But he, the greatest thing about it, I'm not ruining anything about saying this Nicolas Cage does not say one word in the entire movie.
1: I have heard of this movie. My, my, my cousin was telling me about this movie. I didn't know what it was
0: called, but he he was telling me that there's a Nicholas Cage movie that doesn't say anything. Yeah. He's basically beating up Chuck E. Cheese characters that are demonic. (laughs) Um, And it's (laughs) like, I I read that and went, all right, this is either going to be a complete train wreck or awesome. And I think I think because I completely let go and went, all right, what are you going to do? Uh, I think I had so much fun with it. I really loved that movie. It was really fun. Um, and then for me, in terms of influential, um, I'm such a big 80s fan. You know, anything like Phantasm. I mean, anything from Car- John Carpenter. They Live is awesome. Uh, Halloween, you know, anything from... Uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm traditionalist when it comes to zombies, so anything George Ramiro. For me, uh, my favorite zombie of all time is Bub from Day of the Dead. But my favorite zombie movie of all time would be Dawn of the Dead. Uh mm. either one, George Romero's version or the remake. They're both great. Um so, How did you feel uh, about yeah. the uh
1: sorry I cut you off this time? No. How go did ahead. you feel about the new Halloween? The the reboot sort of rewriting of the entire I did a whole fucking show about this, was why I have to ask you. Uh, um
0: yeah, I mean, so, I there were things I liked, and then some things I really didn't like. Um, like, I liked—the um, mask looked cool, and um, I always liked Jamie Lee, uh, putting Jamie Lee in, and Jamie Lee battling is always good. Uh, but there were just weird things about the movie that just were weird, um, like making it so that they're not brother and sister anymore— that was always i always thought that was one of the coolest things about certain horror movies certain horror movies have certain lore like uh, jason you know his, his mom uh you know he kills for mom you know what i mean and yeah. and and like there's certain movies had certain lore and one of the lore's i always thought was cool was that they were brother and sister like that was when in when halloween 2 came out and that was revealed we all went whoa right right, right. you know and, and that's cool taking that, that element away for no reason. It didn't service or, I mean, I thought they were going to take it away and do something with that. No, it didn't help. It didn't help the movie. It actually hurt the movie that that you took that away. Um, It makes more sense of why she's so adamantly trying to stop him.
1: Yeah. You know, now that I think about it, I mean, I really, I kind of glossed over that at the time because I, I mean, I read interviews of them and I, and I saw what they were, trying to get at with that which was sort of the like um everyone should be afraid of him because he's not just going for her right you know so it's like
0: but he isn't yeah he could still go for her and everybody around her but that yeah exactly
1: Now you know now that we talk about it it's like there's really that doesn't really like make you safe for michael myers just because he's (laughs) just because he's not her, her brother
0: he did wipe out all her friends you know yeah, yeah, he that's true.
1: He he does Poor not uh, souls. He doesn't just go and then and in the Rob Zombie remakes they also like in the first he made two, but even right like right oh. from the start of the, of the first no, one no, no, no. With
0: brother and sister. I have major problems with Rob Zombie's remake.
1: Major. No, I don't I, I don't like yeah. his remakes really. Um but they did that that plot point. But please tell me right, tell right. me your issues with them.
0: Oh, I mean, that's a that's a I mean, I'll try and sum it up fast. Uh, I mean, my feeling is uh George Romero was smart because he took a kid, just a regular average kid, in the suburbs. The unclean spirit saw this this regular average kid, possessed this kid and turned him into pure evil. Dr. Loomis, which was uh, Donald Pleasant's Dr. Loomis, realized that uh he had to become ultimate good to battle ultimate evil. That balances your movie. In Rob Zombie's version, uh, the, the kid, uh, the uh, Michael Myers as a kid, is already a bad kid. He's already like yeah. killing puppies, and and, it's, yeah. and he's coming from a abused family and everything. That makes no sense because the devil would already had him. The devil already had that kid. So so the, the unclean spirit going into a kid, to me, it's a lot scarier going into just some you know like five minutes before he's a sweet nice little kid, then all of a sudden he has black eyes and he's pure evil. That's scary, right? Taking and, a kid and, that would. Sorry, go, go on. Ahead. Oh, taking a kid that was already you know already abused and, and already known for be, for doing abusive things and, and already being messed up. I feel like the unclean spirit, the devil, already had that kid, and then you get Donald Pleas. I mean, uh, not Donald Pleasance. You get uh, the Doctor Loomis that, that Rob Zombie made. Um, he's in it for pure ego and to sell books. So he's that's what to I was cap- gonna say yeah he's, he's trying he's to capitalize prick. right yeah so malcolm did, mcdowell total dick yeah. in, the, in those movies yeah so you get ultimate evil versus a prick Thus, your movie's <laughs> unbalanced yeah Good and that's man. what i feel the major problem is with with those um you you need to balance that otherwise i mean and that's what that was, again was my problem with this one um with the remake their Doctor Loomis character, uh, which it wasn't Doctor Loomis, but the the doctor they had in this. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> he's just already like whatever. And then the then the, and then then the twist out of I mean I, I mean spoiler alert the twist where out of nowhere all of a sudden he decides that he's going to be Michael Myers. That mm-hmm. just came, It felt so forced and out of nowhere, and did and, and, and then it's just dealt with immediately. I mean, you know, Michael Myers just kills him. I mean, that was just so pointless and stupid. Yeah. I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know what uh, they were. They're think.
1: making two more of those, which that really disappointed me because I thought when I saw that one, like I enjoyed it for what it was, and then I thought, okay, cool. Like you kind of buttoned it up, like full circle. And you know, you can either take that movie as the canon of Halloween, or you can just, you know, have the other one. Mm-hmm. But now it's like they're making two more of those. So now I'm like, but well, see, you're going back to the whole thing that you were trying to like kind of undo, which was make it just this continuous like he keeps coming back to life thing. Um, yeah, and that was one of the things I, I harped on the most on my on my Halloween movie show was that the the, the ridiculousness of him coming back to life all the time. But uh, well, you're going to have to do that already now, going into this second new trilogy. And it's like so, but so you're not the whole thing that you were going for with the realism of this new one.
0: You're gonna throw it out the window, of course, because that's that's what they do. But I mean, you made money. I, in terms of remakes, it's not the worst thing. I mean, like to me, one of the worst remakes was like what they did with Nightmare, uh, remaking Nightmare uh, on Elm Street without Freddie Eng- uh, Robert England uh, as Freddie. Uh, that's just mistake number one. Uh, but then, like doing things where, like, they had a kid in a pool swimming. He's swimming while he's swimming. He has a dream and, and starts dreaming about Freddie. So, I mean, what is he narcoleptic? Is he? Will he be <laughs> drowning? How can you? Yeah. I mean, I, I have never been full swim and then got into full REM sleep while swimming in unless what do you, you have to be narcoleptic?
1: At least, I don't think that's probably ever happened.
0: Yeah, I mean, how can you be swimming and then just go into a full dream? And then they tried to add the element, more, the really hone in on the element that he wasn't just killing the kids, that he was molesting them. Oh, once, God, I once, didn't see, I didn't
1: even see this. God, no, no, I'm once, glad.
0: once you add that element, then it's, I mean, the, the fun part about Nightmare was getting to, to, to enjoy Freddy playing with his food before he killed it, right? But yeah. if you know he's a child molester, now you can't get on his side anymore. You know what I mean? You can't right. enjoy it. Yeah, yeah so they killed it. they killed it. So, I mean, things like that, I'm just like, oh, why would you do this? You know, it just, just was, everything that made this movie fun, you were like, what, what did you like? Did you guys have fun with that? Okay, we're not doing that. <laughs> okay. right. right. Oh, my God. yeah. Uh, I'm
1: glad I skipped that one. Yeah. No.
0: Well, all right, if we're going to go here, then I would be remiss if I didn't say come to the Chinese Theater on August 27th at 11.50 p.m. Come see As Good as Dead with a couple other films that we're playing in a block, and it's going to be really, really awesome at the Chinese Theater. But if you missed that, a week later, we are also going to be at the Horrible Imaginings Film Festival in Orange County. That's at the Frida Cinema, and we will be on Saturday, September 4th at the 10 30 a.m. to 12 30 p.m. block awesome so right now there were two opportunities there is another one that's coming up that i'm not allowed to say and of course uh like there, because of the season um like we're starting our festival run now so i'm just waiting every day to hear uh which festivals accepted us and which declined so at this point we could be all over the country we could be nowhere we don't know so it's kind of an exciting time
1: Awesome, Dave. Well, congratulations, man! Continued success, and yes, once again, uh, as good as dead. Midnight yeah, this Friday. Down. If you're listening right now, it is uh, October twenty. Or I'm sorry, it's not October. I thinking like it is October because we're trying to we're August. Or, It's August, August twenty seventh, twenty twenty one. Go to. Yep. I'm just going to call it Roman's Chinese Theater, but everyone knows what it is. It's the Chinese Theater. The, the TCL. TCL Chinese yep. Theater.
0: You can find 94. information at me, uh Dave Rita on Twitter, Dave Rita on Facebook, Elf Twin Films on Facebook, or you can search up my actors, Danny Shaka, Ashley Mary Nunez, Jeffrey Dammit. You'll find us.
1: And on YouTube. Don't forget to check out the trailer. The trailer is on Elf YouTube Twin for on As YouTube. Good as Dead. Yeah. And uh even the even the trailer's
0: fun. So
1: I can't wait for this movie.
0: Oh, I'm so excited to hear you say that.
1: Yeah, for sure, Dave. Thank you so much, man. This was it was awesome catching up with you and and awesome hearing about uh everything that you're doing and, and what it's like on the inside from uh from someone who's been doing it for for quite a few years now.
0: Oh so, uh, I know, right? Yeah. Oh, thanks, man. No, it's anything. I mean, it was just great to talk to you again. I mean, having you know, getting a chance to to uh catch up after all these years is pretty freaking awesome. So that was awesome.
1: Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, this has been the early Halloween episode of Pop Talk and Aliens, in a sense. Don't forget to go see uh, As Good as Dead in Los Angeles on the 27th. Or And what, Dave, can you say one more time what the Orange County date and- uh, venue September
0: over- 4th, 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Yeah, At the Frida Cinema.
1: Frida Cinema. That's my grandma's name.
0: All right. Your um, name Dave. is Frida Cinema.
1: Is Frida Cinema uh, Clear. Yeah. <laughs> Frida Cinema Clear. <laughs> her name is Frida. I don't her middle name, her middle name might have been cinema. I, I, I don't think I ever knew. So uh, who knows? There's that connection. Sorry, I couldn't. All help right, it. Dave. Well, uh, happy, uh, you know, good luck. I'm sure it will do great. I think you're already nominated for something for it, right?
0: Oh no, we're just uh official selection right now. So will that be official selection make is a nomination toward uh a possible win so hopefully we do win there we'll see.
1: Well good luck to you man. I hope you do and uh even if you
0: don't who fucking cares? Just make sure right. people enjoy it. Yeah that's the truth. That is really on. I mean we made this honestly to 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 make to really entertain everybody right now cause just because we felt like everybody needed uh, a chance to laugh and which we reminded it's okay to laugh, it's okay to scream, it's you know it's all right. That's perfect.
1: Great, man. Awesome. Thank you for being on. Thank you so much. And uh, good luck with As Good as Dead. Let me know when it's coming to Northern California. I will be there in person. And uh, until then, cue the hot chick.
0: Pop Talk and Aliens, the William Clear Podcast.